Welcome to Firm Foundation. In these times of shifting standards and faulty foundations, there is a solid place on which to build a victorious life. And that place is the Firm Foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Your host for Firm Foundation is Brian Hudson, a Bible teacher, pastor, author, and producer of Life Enriching Media. I'm excited about this new series uh, that God put in my heart. The title is Leverage. Say Leverage. Subtitle is Importing and Exporting Breakthrough. Say Importing and Exporting Breakthrough. Now here's a text I'll read here. We'll talk about this more a bit later. This is just one part of it. It says, he who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate, going out by it. Their king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. That's Micah 2.13, and we'll give the context later. But it's the only place I found the word breakthrough in the Bible, at least in this version, and we'll explain what that means. But it's something hopeful in this statement. You'll get a hold to something very powerful in how God is giving leverage. And we know what that word means. There's many meanings of it. I'm going to offer to you and suggest to you a kingdom leverage that's unlike what we have in this natural world. We have all the other leverage as well that God gives us, but there's something special that God wants us to have. And he wants us to receive it or import it, and he wants us to give it or export it. That's the purpose of those words, and I'm excited to get into this. Two scriptures. First of all, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. Love this text. And God is able... Read with me, please, if you could. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's a great text, isn't it? Let's read it again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. <laughs> My English teacher, Miss Batiste, at Arlington High School said, be careful about using superlatives. That's a word like all and every, right? She said, be careful because you, you shouldn't say that unless it's really true, unless you mean to say that. Like, nobody likes me. No, just some people don't like you, okay? <laughs> nobody, that's a superlative. But God speaks because he knows. He has the power to do what he said. So God can speak in superlative terms, able to make all grace abound. So you having all sufficiency in all things at all times. <laughs> that you may abound in every. Those are, those are some bold statements. That's what God wants us to think. So leverage, you see leverage already happening. You see the leverage just in this text. There is the leverage of grace. And we'll explain those terms, uh, leverage, in a moment here. Because all of us have different views of it. Again, we read, before I read more of this text, in Micah chapter 2, verse, uh, pick up verse 12 this time. No, verse 13. Again, he who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate, going out by it. And it says here, their king 
passes on before them the Lord as their head. Now, in the book of Micah, when you read that book, it's a lot of trouble going on in the nation at that time. And God expressed his displeasure with both the national uh, and the spiritual, national leaders and spiritual leaders of that day. He called out injustice. He called out disrespect toward his name and toward his purposes and the mistreatment of people, as we see today, ironically. And, but at the end of this chapter, what God does, he promises Messiah. Because when it says that he who opens the breach goes up, that's talking about Messiah. That's Jesus. That's, that's the Savior. And so that when you understand that whatever goes wrong in this world, whatever goes awry and sideways, there's always Jesus unaffected by the trouble of this world, unaffected by it. And furthermore, even when God allows trouble and difficult things to happen, he will navigate his people through the very thing that troubles other people. What is judgment for others is breakthrough for you. What is judgment for others is breakthrough for you. And so that he said, and their king passes before them. Some version says their leader. So as Jesus leads the way, as he opens the breach and goes before us, then he also has leaders. He has people who are faithful to him. You know, there are, there are faithful people. There are faithful leaders. There are real Christians out here. Amen, somebody. We rebranded us Christ followers, you know, separate a little bit. But there are real people all the people in church, not hypocrites. All that going on, all that church hurt stuff. I mean, these things happen, but there is the remnant. There is the genuine. And there are those whom Jesus is leading up through the breach. And they go before them and then they come back and go out by it. He leads us in and he brings us out. That's just a little synopsis. Read Micah, spend some time, look at it. It's a powerful little book. All right, now let's go on here. Now, so God provides what we need to import. Say, God provides what I need to import, okay? All right, so God provides what we need to import to break through in our lives. So what you need to get breakthrough and overcome and, and gain victory, he, he, he provides those things. I call it import. Right. You know, import suggests it comes from someplace else. Sometimes from far away. <laughs> and then second part of this is God also gives grace to export breakthrough for others. But but this month inspired me in thinking about the heroes and heroines of of our of our culture and nation and the impact of people in history. Uh, that by history, you know, I always like to say by history, history is his story, God's story. Next slide, let me show you this here. So i got a question for you. What is your history? What has been imported? Now think about this because when you understand what God's doing today, it is because you have a history. All right. Next slide here. So your history is his story. 
See, my history is God's story. So your history is your ancestors, your predecessors, your family, your spiritual lineage, your education, your experiences, your nation, and more. This is your history. So then I'll tell you now, you know, like many of us, I grew up, you know, history classes are were required. I just kind of sat through it like, oh, I don't have time for this old, I'm, I'm young, gifted, and black. I ain't got no time for this old stuff, history and all that. But then I had a class in my senior year. We studied a book called Beyond the Mayflower. And my eyes got open. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay. So if I get this straight, I wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't have what I have. I wouldn't be free. I wouldn't have anything without my history. Which is not, listen, not just my stuff, not just my lifetime. Your history, your history is your parents, ancestors, predecessors, people you don't even know. Your history is your family. Your history is your spiritual lineage. You got people who love Jesus. Some of whom you know, some you never knew. Folk who prayed for us before and never, my, my grandmother, whom I never knew, my, my mother's mom, she died when mom was 18 years old, or 17 years old, 18 years old. I never knew her, Essie Hayden. But I, I, I believe she prayed for her daughter, my mother, that if, when she got married, had babies, God blessed them. So there have been prayers going up. So our history is wrapped up in our, our family, your lineage, your education, your experiences, your nation, even your nation. So, so we have advantages here, not to mention we do have freedom. But we have to protect it. Don't take it for granted. So this is, I'm saying this to say, when you ask the question, what is my history? It's all those factors and more. That's why we pay attention to history, not because there's something old, but because it's something relevant. And as I became a student of history, I began to realize that the things happening around us today, I understand why those things happen. Because it's connected to history. Because the thing about human nature is it doesn't change a whole lot. And, and you know, people have been sinners a long time. Folks have been saints for a long time. People have had good will and ill will for a long time. People have plotted to misuse other people for a long time. And history has shown us that if we do not pray and, and take appropriate action, these, that same type of person will rise up again. In every generation, the same type forces and factors are facing us as we saw in history. Now, also, let me say about, about this series, I won't try to get into all of it today, obviously, but... Um, I do want to say that uh, the next slide here says, again, your history is his story. Your life and work today are the result of history. I don't mean just ancient history. I'm talking about your lifetime. But history didn't begin with your lifetime. When you were born is not when history began. Not even your history. When you were born, it was a continuation of history. So that when you don't understand history in a larger context, you're, you don't understand 
how God has designed your life. You don't have the context. You don't understand w w without history um, that, that, like I often say, life isn't about get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. This consumption mentality is what we see around us. Just get, you know, just get stuff, get the house, get the car. You know, I guess there's some kind of an average, average family is two and a half kids, so get your two kids and a half. <laughs> How do they figure that out? Stats are crazy like that. And, you know, and, and the pet, the dog or the cat, the American dream. Nothing wrong with that. But your life was, God didn't design us just to have stuff. Stuff is easy to get. If your credit's good, get stuff. You got some money, get all the stuff you want. But God's purpose is something far, far greater. God wants us to, to have leverage. He wants us to import it, export it for breakthrough, to get things done. My wife and I on Friday night, we were, uh, we wanted to watch some black history content, so we going through and we found PBS. Some years ago, they did documentaries, one about Frederick Douglass, I got a slide for that one, and Harriet Tubman. We know these names, we, we've read their lives, we, we understand this, but it's amazing to me, every time I look at it and read it, and, 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 you know, receive it, import it, it's, it's more impactful than the last time. And this particular production, I'll say, it's the best I've ever seen of both of them. It's the best I've seen of Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman. Frederick Douglass should be on Mount Rushmore. No doubt about it. He saved the nation. He saved the nation, not just his people. Now, I'm saying this to say, I thought about the leverage of legacy, right? I'll go back one slide, kind of out of sequence here. But the leverage of, now last year this time, I taught a lesson called The Leverage of Legacy, all right? And, and had that picture of the people marching. And by the way, uh, these were patriotic people. Patriotism is not just waving a flag, but holding, holding the nation accountable to what we say we're about. That's patriotism. Right? Wave the flag and say, now, what does it represent? It represents freedom for all, equal justice for all, due process. That means we don't knock you in the head and shoot you first. We, we are, we, you know, if you're a suspect, we arrest you and take you to a magistrate. You get process here. Say, do all that. So that was last year. But so, so then what I realized in looking at these documentaries is what, is what they did. Their, their efforts, their faith, it's almost, it's, I mean, it's really all, there are supernatural parts to their stories, you know. And that's what I'm going to say. I was inspired that what Frederick Douglass did, what Harriet Tubman did, and all the hidden figures, okay, they not only physically, actually liberated people, but they set a standard, what it looks like to create leverage that helps other people. So that when Frederick Douglass escaped um, and, and, you know, and, and, and just began to, to learn to read and write, he was taught by 
a, a gracious white lady uh, how to read and write, and he had to hide the fact he could read and write because it was illegal. <laughs> and, and so, but he became a great orator. You know, he was over six feet tall, I read. Harry Tubman was barely five feet tall. Uh, I just wore so much in there. I was obviously inspired. And so this message, this whole series is about receiving the legacy or the leverage of legacy, recognizing God has designed you and sent you and let you be born in this time in history for, for purpose. Not just to consume, just enjoy life, that's, that's part of it, but to, but to then let that become something in you where you can then export to other people breakthrough in their lives. Amen? All right. Now, Freetown Village. I feel it started it 40 years ago, same, in the same, same month, same year we began the church. I want to share with you three one-minute videos about some Indiana figures in history. And now when you, when you see anything about black history from here, here on, ask yourself, what type of leverage did what they do produce in my life, in my world, right? So watch these three, and we'll come back. This is a little-known black history moment brought to you by Freetown Village. Though it was a free state, Indiana condoned slavery, and it was practiced by the most influential. A catalyst in ending the practice was Mary Bateman Clark. Mary was a teenager when she was brought to Vincennes, Indiana from Kentucky in 1814, and was immediately indentured to one of those influential men, General Washington Johnston. Unlike voluntary white European indentures, blacks were forcibly indentured for 30, 40, even 90 years, and were treated as slaves. Working with her lawyer, Amory Kinney, Mary filed a lawsuit demanding her freedom. Seven years after arriving in Indiana, in 1821, an Indiana Supreme Court decision ruled her service was involuntary and in violation of the Indiana 1816 Constitution. An historical marker is in her honor located at the Knox County Courthouse. Driving in Indianapolis, chances are you will travel along Capitol Avenue. This major street got its name from John A. Purrier, one of the first African Americans to serve on the Indianapolis City Council. Purrier served on the council from 1892 until 1897. Purrier led efforts to change Tennessee Street to Capitol Avenue and Mississippi Street to Senate Avenue. Purrier wanted the street names changed because these were the names of slave states and he had once been enslaved. A downtown Indianapolis street was given his name in 1895. Just four blocks long, Purrier Street is north of St. Joseph Street, where black families once lived. Purrier died in 1930 at age 75. Cordon Colored School was the only school for African Americans for decades in Cordon, Indiana. Built for elementary and high school students in 1891, the first student graduated in 1897. Many of the students were descendants of about 100 formerly enslaved African-Americans brought to the Cordon area from North Carolina. One of the descendants was Leora Brown. After graduating from the colored school in 1923, Brown went to Indianapolis where she studied education at Madam Blaker's Teachers College. Brown returned to Cordon to teach at the school. She taught from 1924 to 1950 when the school closed. 
Lior Brown's niece, Maxine Brown, purchased the abandoned property in 1987 and renovated it. The school was renamed the Lior Brown School and is used today for community functions. It is listed on the Indiana Register of Historic Places and is part of the Indiana African American Heritage Trail. For more information about Freetown Village, visit us at freetownvillage.org. But these are just examples of, of how history has created leverage for us and how that we're living in blessings and opportunities that were established before we arrived. We just walked into things already established by other people. And so we hope through the same for others that we want to set some things in place for others to follow our actions, our works, amen, our lives in a fruitful way. Now let's talk about what leverage, let's define the word leverage now. Leverage, now there's a lot of bad news today and we pay attention, you know, to the bad things, troubling things. We don't hide ourselves. But we should also pay attention to what God is doing and what people are doing to make a positive impact in our world. You believe this? Yeah. Sometimes the bad news can be so overwhelming, we're troubled by it. In fact, Jesus said that if, if he says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. Overexposure to bad stuff will desensitize you and make you not care. It's all, it's all everybody's lying. All politicians are liars, you know. No, they're not all liars. All them preachers trying to get my money. I don't need your money, by the way. Amen. I mean, for those who question that, the point is, why? that's what bad news does. It, it warps the thinking. It distorts reality. So let's pay attention to what God is doing and what people are doing to impact our world. So leverage importing and exporting breakthrough. All right, number one, what is leverage? It's the action of a lever. Mechanically speaking, is a teeter-totter, right? And so leverage is expressed. We have the fulcrum in the middle, the balancing point, and on either end, you've got two people. Now, what's wrong with this picture right here? What's wrong with it? Basically, you only go and send somebody up if you're heavier than them. It's leverage is a lever. Now, when I thought about this, I saw parables here. Because in life, we seek balance. Leverage is also balance. In fact, the graphic you're seeing, the three circles, speaks to balance in God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There's balance in the kingdom. There's balance in life. And, and so if we're not positioning that fulcrum, which I believe is Christ, the things of God, if we don't put kingdom in the middle, Things won't be balanced, right? All right, now, but here's some other definitions of leverage. So number two, leverage is to use something you already have in order to achieve something new or better. We understand that, don't we? Third, leverage is the power to influence people and to get results you want. That's a form of leverage. Number four, in finance, leverage is the act of using borrowed money to buy an investment or a company. Leverage buyout, they call it. Use borrowed money to buy, hopefully, what's a valuable uh, company that's, you know, raising in its, in, its, in its assets so that when you borrow money to buy them out, you'll get return on investment later. No one does a leverage buyout for a failing company. But that's what a leverage buyout is. Leverage number five is the power to influence results. We know this. Number six, someone interesting. 
And this is just common knowledge in the world. Transactional relationships. Now, many people say it's not what you know, it is who you know. Or to say it is not <laughs> who you know, it's who knows you. These are true things in the world, right? Like my, my friend and mentor, Earl Johnson, said he was in a meeting and with some, some, some important people, VIP people. So I said, Earl, do you know this guy? Nope. That guy? Nope. That guy? Nope. Says, I know God. <laughs> Sometimes all you can say. Some of us are not connected like that. Some of us don't, don't have, that's not our leverage. Our leverage is not who knows me, who I know. That's not how all of us operate. Now, we all know people. People know us. It, of course, it's a part of life. I know this. In the world system, that is paramount. And so getting to know people, even people don't want to even know, is necessary to hook up with people and, and network and all that because you got to do it to survive in the world. But I suggest to us in the kingdom of God, it's different than that. We'll come to, that, to the kingdom perspective here in a little bit. But it's two types of leverage in relationships in the world. This is interesting. First, there is utility leverage. Say utility leverage. This is using relationships to get things done. On the surface, doesn't sound too bad, but it asks the question, how can I use you to get things that I want? So then you become a utility to somebody else or vice versa when I use somebody else. As you. Now again, this is common practice in the world. I'm not saying it's sinful and wrong. It's just what it is. And, and so don't be surprised if, you know, you're not, <laughs> everything we do is not for the purposes of blessing and all that. Sometimes it's just, it's just a transaction. Hence the term transactional relationship. Uh, or number seven, and part of this two-part, is value leverage. Say value leverage. That's using relationships to increase your value in the eyes of others. It asks the question, how can you make me look good? Now, don't, you know, don't get upset. It's just the way it is. In the world. And you find yourself in those situations. Uh, sometimes it's part of what we do in our, in our work and so forth. But, but then it's not, it's just not the kind of leverage we want to live by. And the reason is this. Here's the problem with this approach. With utility, leverage, and value leverage, the problem is if one cannot provide utility or value, there's no relationship. Sometimes people who uh, have no use for people, so they're cast aside and ignored. That's not kingdom. Amen, somebody. You know, we don't want to be around folk because they do something for us, make us look good. That couldn't be the only reason. There have to be a higher purpose. And there is. And so we come now to some good news. Amen. There is leverage. There is the leverage of God's kingdom. Say God's kingdom. So relationships are rooted in Christ and not based on personal advantage. It's not about what I get out of you, what you get out of me. It's not just about that. It's about, it's about we're in Christ. And so it asks the question, how are you doing today? <laughs> That's what they don't ask. Can you, you know, do this for me or make me look good? No, the question is, how are you doing today? 
How may I serve you? That is the leverage of God's kingdom. And that is God's grace and love in action. Here's an example of this. All right, in Acts chapter 3, you recall the story where Peter and others were preaching near the temple, in the temple. And there was a man who had been lame and for a long time. And, 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 and Peter said, look on us. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And a cartoon of the man there rising up. And uh, now think about it. Peter was a fisherman. Jesus called Peter, said, go back out, let your nets down for a catch. Peter said, now, Jesus, listen here. We are professional fishermen. If there's fish out there, we'd have been out all night. We'd have had fish by now. But Peter had enough sense to say, well, Lord, at your word. He went back out, went back out, and he caught so much fish, he called his fellows over. And the Bible says he caught so much fish, he dragged his boats to land and left all and followed Jesus. Can you see that he received an import of faith and trust in God? And that, that St. Peter, who was defiant yet yielded, received the blessing, became a blessing. Now, here he is. I don't have silver and gold. I don't have a bunch of money on me. I don't have, but I have, what, I have what money can't buy. I don't have silver and gold, but I have what money cannot buy. Power of God. And so he exported that breakthrough. Now look at the next slide here. The next verse says, little cartoon, this guy jumping around, says, uh, <laughs> and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. He didn't yank him up. You know, some of those, some of those healing People on TV and stuff, they yank him up, push him down. No, he said he lifted, by the right hand, one hand, lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. I don't know about you, but I can see that. I can see doing the same thing. You've been stuck at this gate, bring you out there for just to beg day in, day out, and now the Lord helps you and heals you. He says, and all the people saw him walking and praising. That's a major export right there. That's a major export of breakthrough for, for the man and for all the people who saw it. This is the same man. We've seen him all of our lives, maybe. Parked at that gate. And now there he is, walking and leaping and praise God. Pat, we watched the video, and uh, there was this big sheep. This sheep had, he had so much, what do they, what do they call their, they don't call it fur, what do they call sheep? Wool. And he had so much, he had, he had a whole lot. He, he had so much, he couldn't even see where he's going. So they cut the hair away from his eyes, you know, he could see a little bit. And then, and then they sheared him. They sheared him, and then they, the sheep started jumping and running and jumping because he hadn't been, you know what I'm saying, he hadn't been that light for a long time. The weight was removed, and he found, I, I, I got legs, I can jump. It was, it was a funny a video. I just thought, this is what happens, you know, when, when God brings breakthrough. The load is lifted. 
And we want to, we, we feel like walking and leaping and praising God. So then when you import the leverage of God's grace and blessing, you can export things that people don't have. Now, God does give people things they need, things in the world, natural science. I mean, yeah, but God does things, but there are things that we can help people with that, that they can't get any other way. Amen. Now, we're almost done here. So let me say this. Grace is leverage. Say grace is leverage. Yeah. If leverage is about things that we receive to empower and put us in a position to do better, to do more. What, what, what does more for us than the grace of God? The grace is leverage. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. There is that statement of, it, of leverage. He can make all grace abound. That's a leverage statement, isn't it? He can, he can make all grace abound to you. And then the result is having all sufficiency in all things at all times and abundance for every good work. Next, we find love is leverage. Hey, love is leverage. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 says, Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, in which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Above all these things, put on love, because love is leverage. Thirdly, the body of Christ is leverage. His church is leverage. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body, joining it together by what every joint supplies, according to the working, effective working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So we together are leverage. We create leverage for each other in the purposes of God. Amen. And so I'll just stop there for today. But think about this as we get into the series that this leverage we have in the kingdom of God is, is, is amazing. And we have the stuff in the world. We, we understand a lot of those things. We walk in a lot of those things. We avoid, uh, we, we avoid some things and, and utilize other things in the world. But mostly we understand that grace and love in this kingdom is our greatest leverage. Amen. Amen.